happens on Thursday. It's open from 9 to noon, three hours. We open the doors at 9, and up until about 10.30, it's just mayhem. It's crazy. Then you, it goes, and you breathe, and then there's usually a smaller second wave. So uh, it's always, always a good experience, though. But what most people don't see, even the workers, uh, some of them do, but most of them don't, is it takes four days, four days to do three hours of food pantry. We start on Monday morning at 7 a.m. doing our first pickup at Walmart. And then every morning we're picking up, we're picking up, you know, 1,000 pounds a day, right? Walmart, Hannaford's, food bank, bringing it in, weighing it, sorting it, packing it, putting it in the cooler, and then setting up Wednesday night until 9.30 at night for Thursday morning, and then coming in Thursday morning and taking the stuff that has to stay in the cooler out. So there's a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work that goes into three hours of serving the poor through the pantry. And um, like anything, you can get caught up in doing routine. And I mean, this is necessary routine. I mean, you have to do the same thing. There's all the paperwork that goes with it, all of that, da-da-da-da. So I'm doing that on uh, Tuesday morning. And I'm just in auto autopilot. And the Lord said, stop, open your Bible, and I'll give you a treat. So this is the treat, and you, you have to work with me on this, all right? Are you ready for this? Philippians 4.4, 4. rejoice in the Lord. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Rejoice in the Lord. This is a command. It's like, okay, all right, forget the scripture reference, all right? Put, put, you, put your uh, hands over your eyes and don't look. Just listen and then do, all right? Shema, hear and obey. Rejoice in the Lord. There we go. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord. There you go. Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Anyone anxious? Oh, good. But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Marcy, come on up and share that thing you had. Stay on subject. Read the word of God. Concise, the word of God. 
Um, there's some people in this church today, I had the feeling that, that we're like in the middle of a, a, a fast-moving brook. They're, they're stuck in the middle of the currents taking them downstream, and they know Jesus is on the shore, and it's safe on the shore, and they've heard about it, and they, they know they want to get there, and they're reaching out, but they can't actually grab Jesus by the hand. They don't feel like they're that close. Well, as a church... As a church, we can form a chain to save that person in the middle of the river and save them and not lose a one of us. So if someone in here feels that they can't quite reach the hand of Jesus, grab a hold of one of us. We'll pull you over to him. Thank you for this nice journal. So all morning long, this has nothing at all to do with the word. I've been feeling a trembling under my feet. Doesn't matter. I thought it was maybe just where I was up in the sound booth, but I'm feeling it right now. I was feeling it upstairs. Um, I've been asking the Lord about it, and this is what I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying. The gates of hell are rattling. There's a trembling going on because the time of the great release is at hand. For those who are anxious, rejoice in the Lord, because the time of release has come. For those who are in bondage, rejoice in the Lord, because the days of your captivity are coming to an end, and the gates of hell are in panic. God's favor is about to break loose. Hmm. I just lost your client's name in my head. Ursula. Ursula. Ursula, could you... S yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I have to say that the Lord is very impacted by you, Ursula. He is so, so delighted in your zeal towards him. And I was watching this morning. Uh, Ursula has a problem with balance, you know. It's hard for her to stay up. And I, she was just worshiping. She was just having a good time. She lost her balance. She hit that seat. And she bounced up out of that seat <laughs> with her hands up again, you know. And I have to say that I believe the Lord is about to heal your body. I think the Lord is going to reverse the process. And I want to do, I want to do what Marcy prophesied. I think it would be hard for her to reach out of the rushing stream that her body is caught into with this sense of no stability, no balance. How, how do I navigate this? Well, some of you know how to navigate this. So I, I just want to take a little time here, and I'm going to ask some of you, if you know Ursula, if you love her, if you've been connected with her, if you... There you go. Go ahead, surround her, lay hands on her, and just begin to pray and ask the Lord to begin to heal her body, her mind, what it... The Lord knows what's going on internally, 
And let's rattle the gates of hell a little more this morning, huh? So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And would you overshadow Ursula today with your healing grace, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak to her body and we say, be made whole, be made well, be released. Be released. Thank you, Jesus. You guys go ahead and pray right out over her, right? The Bible says that the Lord doesn't do anything except he first tell his servants, the prophets. In the New Testament, we're all prophetic. If you have open ears and open eyes, you can see and you can hear. You'll come to understand that God is up to something. It was interesting. I had a, a young lady come up to me earlier. She was concerned. Uh, some of you probably saw Michael. He had the dark glasses on, the tambourine, and... Uh, Michael, first local to us through the pantry, and he's a schizophrenic, uh, tends towards violence, um, but he loves this church. So every Sunday, uh, between 7 and 8, he'll come, and he'll sit, and he'll talk with me, and we'll have worship music play. And then he started showing up when the worship team was warming up, and then last week he brought his tambourine for the first time, so he's really connecting. But in the middle of last week, uh, he was very agitated, and um, I got into a discussion with him, and he said to me, it's because I, I drink whiskey. I drink whiskey. When I drink whiskey, he said, bad things happen. So we prayed, and this morning when he came in, I said, how you doing, Mike? He said, well, I gave up the whiskey. Gave up the whiskey. Now, small thing. You know, well, listen, listen. He, he said, I'm still an alcoholic. I'm 
still drinking other stuff. He says, but I don't want what the whiskey gives me anymore. See? So I think there's others. I think there's others in this room who maybe you don't know it yet. Maybe you don't realize it yet. Maybe some of you haven't seen it yet, but things are falling away. You know, it might not be the skies open, lightning comes down, you know, fire from heaven or any of that stuff, but things just all of a sudden change. It's not so bad anymore. It's not so heavy. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, I gave that up. You know, God is in the process of doing a work of restoration. He's in the process of preparing the church to show the world there's a way out. There's a way out. Okay? So if, if you're experiencing something in the Lord, you're just small, just small. You know, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made. You know, take it back to the Lord. I can't believe, Lord, you set me free. I don't drink that whiskey anymore. I know I still got beer over here or, or whatever, but I ain't drinking the whiskey anymore. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for giving me that. What else are you going to do? What else can you give me? How can you help me change my inner man to be more like Jesus? And as you go to him in thanksgiving, things will just begin to pick up this momentum of release. And you'll be changed, as the Bible says, from glory to glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. And we'll see relationships restored, families reconstructed, all kinds of good things come out of the little things that the Lord does. And the more you acknowledge them, the more you celebrate them, the faster that pace goes. So there's no charge for any of that. It's all extra. Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise. One of the great truths about the promises of God is the fact that God has intimately and personally attached himself to them. So the sequence might look something like this. When we believe God's promises, his promises begin to pursue us. Think about that. God's promise is in pursuit of you. And when his promises overtake us, we find ourselves in his presence. We see this dynamic to be consistently true both in the Old and the New Testament. And I love this story in Luke. There's actually a really awesome uh, painting by that uh, Ron Gianni, yeah. And so about this scripture. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So what is that? That's a promise. That's a promise. 
And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents of Jesus brought the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law. So Jesus has just been born. This is now eight days, right? And he's going to get circumcised. And the firstborn son is dedicated to the Lord. So that's what they're doing according to the custom of the law. They were Bethlehem. You can walk from Bethlehem into Jerusalem. They're going to present Jesus. And here's Simeon waiting for his promise. And he took up the baby in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, according to your promise. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What did he see? He saw Jesus. Who did he see? He saw God. When the promise was fulfilled, he was standing in the presence holding the person of God. Nice, huh? That only happened once in history, and he got it. Wow. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelations to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. In other words, he... The Lord is our great and exceeding reward. Continuing on with God's promise through the prophet Jeremiah, that when his promise is realized by the intrusion of his presence, our lives are impacted in ways that improve the quality of our lives. What Jesus in John 10.10 calls the life and life more abundant. Listen to this in Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plan, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak this over you, right? I'm going to speak this out over you. Now, if you want this, you can just put your hands up like you're going to get something from God, okay? I, I just feel like this is a word for, for this body this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. Who needs a future and a hope? It's been declared over you this morning. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Restoration. Abundance. Isn't that good? That's the word of the Lord for you this morning. And this has been God's modus operandi since Abram, when he began to separate out from all of humanity a people for himself, a people that would in turn bless all the peoples of the earth, a people who would know their God. Genesis 15.1, this is out of the King James Version. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
from the beginning, when God began to build a people for himself, the thing that he offered was himself. God's intention from the start with Abraham was to develop a relationship with Abraham that would allow for God's blessings and promises to be realized first by Abraham and then by others through his line until in the fullness of time the whole world could be offered what God offered to Abraham. Listen to this incredible interaction as the presence of God comes to Abraham in Genesis 18. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three sayers of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man and prepared it quickly. And he took curds and milk and and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, Now here comes the promise, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now isn't that nice? At 90? <laughs> and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Mm. Oh, yeah. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. So it went from child to son, right? The promise as it unfolds increases in understanding as well as impact. I mean, it's one thing, especially in this culture, to have a child, but to have a son is like, yeah, right? But Sarah denied it, said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> I'm God, I know, you're a lion. <laughs> then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. 
I, I love this. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. What was the promise? A child. As it unfolded, it became a son. As it unfolded, it became a nation. Right? God's promises are awesome. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children. Whoops. The promise just got pluralized. Right? And his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God wants to be involved in our lives. But more than that, he wants to be intimately involved in our lives. So intimately involved that when we are blessed, we know that we are blessed by him. And that these blessings are a direct result of his love given to us through our relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is, in Jesus. Every promise to humanity that's ever been spoken in the word finds its fruition in your life through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are in him and he is in you. All the promises of God reside in him. They reside in you. All of God's promises are realized in and through relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want God's best, it's in Christ. If you want God's favor, it's in Christ. If you want God's blessing for your life, they are found in Christ. And if you really want to know God, you must find him in and through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The promises and blessings of God are found in the presence of God, and when you encounter God, I mean really encounter him, you encounter all his promises and blessings as well. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself. Rejoice in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. I think that's the biggest stumbling block uh, when we're in pursuit of the promises of God. We understand that God has something for us, a promise, a better life, and we try to do it in our own strength. So what's that say? Well, good word, Lord, but I don't trust you with it. Right? Trust in him, and he will act. One of the most powerful examples of this is found in the Old Testament story of Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, 
who through a series of divinely given dreams understood that he would one day rule over his brothers. Now, he, he was the runt, right? He was the last kid, right, at that time. Of course, this does not sit well with his older brothers, so one day when dad wasn't looking, they beat Joseph up and sold him to slave traders, right? Takes care of, takes care of Joe. <laughs> who in turn sold him to an Egyptian named Potiphar, who was so impressed with Joseph's skills that he made Joseph steward over his house. Now, Potiphar's wife was also very impressed with Joseph, but in a different way. Tried to seduce him, and when he refused, she cries rape, and Joseph ends up in prison. But Joseph was a dreamer of divine dreams. He understood the language and the presence of God as it is spoken and made known through dreams so that while in prison he interprets two dreams, one for the royal baker and one for Pharaoh's cupbearer who were both in prison for some offense against the Pharaoh. To the baker it was not good news. He would in fact lose his life, but to the cupbearer was promised a full restoration of his position and favor with Pharaoh. Remember me when you are restored, Joseph said to the cupbearer. Both dream interpretations happened just as Joseph had stated. And after two full years, the Bible says Pharaoh had a dream and no one could interpret it. None of his wise men, none of his magicians, none of his mystics, but the cupbearer remembered Joseph. Joseph is brought to Pharaoh, who tells Joseph the dreams he has been given, and having now listened as God's promises to Joseph begin to become Joseph's reality, Genesis 41. Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. Pharaoh had two dreams. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good ears of corn are seven years. The seven good cows, seven years. The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities." and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine 
that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. The Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, and he made him ride in the second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. Now it's interesting that Pharaoh's proclamation of bow the knee was the dream that Joseph had concerning his brothers, that they would all bow the knee before him. So what did Pharaoh recognize in Joseph? First of all, that God connected with Joseph by the Holy Spirit through dreams, and second, that God gave Joseph wisdom and favor through this relational process. And the end result, just as God had promised years before through a dream, Joseph ruled over his brothers. But for the real power and impact of this dynamic, check out this conversational encounter between God and Moses, the man of God, chose to leave Israel out of bondage and into the promised land in Exodus 33. Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you, Moses, by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, that is, God said back to Moses, my presence, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that you, we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Do you think that's relevant for us? That we should be distinct by the presence of God? The Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken... I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. 
for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now listen to what this looks like. Exodus 34, beginning in verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. Now let me diverge for a minute here. Lord, the word Lord is all capitals. It is capitalized in its use here and is translated from the Hebrew Yahweh, which is a transliteration of the tetragrammaton YHWH. In other words, there's no vowels because the name is ineffable. That's my new favorite word this week. It is ineffable. I-N-E-F-F-A-B-L-E, ineffable. It is the unpronounceable name of God. Ineffable is incapable of being expressed or described in words. Inexpressible, ineffable joy, not to be spoken because of its sacredness, unutterable, the ineffable name of the deity. But God defines his own name. Listen to his definition of his name. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, thank you, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, if, I, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, Yahweh, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. God's promises, God promises Moses his presence. Moses asked, to see God's glory, and God shows Moses his goodness. All the blessings, all the promises, all the glory and goodness are found in him. Then God places Moses on the rock, and then in the cleft of the rock. Did you catch that first, on and then in? Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says about this in 1 Corinthians 10. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. He has always been the source of the promise. Do you know Christ today? Have you been set on that rock? Have you surrendered your life and your heart fully to him so that he can show you his goodness, his glory, so that he can put you in the cleft of that rock, you in Christ, Christ in you? Jeremiah thirty-three fourteen, 14, last scripture of the day. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I love this. When I will fulfill the promise I made. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of promise. Today, right now, his presence is here. Today is your day. Your day. Come to Jesus. All who are weary, come. All who are heavy burdened, all of you who are anxious, come. All who are thirsty, did we hear this earlier? All who are thirsty, come, right? Drink freely, come. Let the sick, the afflicted, come. The addicted and those in bondage, come. Come today, Jesus is here. The promises of God are here. Let's pray. Would you stand with me, please?